Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to Secure the Insecure with me, Johnny Seifert. Every week we meet two celebrities who talk about their insecurities so that I can say it's okay to not be okay. I'm not a doctor, but what I am is a storyteller and I like to bring you stories from people that you may know, you've seen them on a TV show before, but you don't know the real them. Because when you go on a TV show, there's an agenda, there's a presence you give up. You're going on there for a specific reason, whether it is to have a debate, whether it is to say this is who I am but we don't ever get the real van. And that's what I want to do here on the podcast. So, bearing that all in mind, coming up on the podcast this week, we have got Love Island's Dr. Marcel. You'll remember him from two years ago. On Love Island, he was the love doctor, the love guru, and he sometimes mentioned that he was in Blazing Squad. First, I'm joined by one of my dear friends. Now, she was on Celebrity Big Brother, the year of the woman. You'll remember her from having those big arguments with Anne Widdicombe, but also <laughs> that lovely side that we saw her with Ashley James and Maggie Oliver. I'm delighted to welcome India Willoughby to Secure the Insecure. Hello, India. Absolute pleasure as always to be here, Johnny. Well, thank you so much for doing this for me. So I, I, we all know that you're used a lot for transgender stories, mm. but... I don't want to do that with you. I want to talk about you as a journalist because you were a credible journalist before you transgendered. So yeah. take me through how you got to that position. I've been a journalist now for 40 years, which is unbelievable when I look like this, Johnny. You'll verify I only look 21. You do. The truth is I've been a journalist for 40-odd years. I was, as the old me, as the, as the male me, which I never really was or I never felt I was, I was that person for effectively half a lifetime until it just became too much in my 40s when I thought I've got to change because I just I was literally seizing up mentally my interest life was no longer worth living so I threw away my career in TV I was um, the main regional newsreader in Cumbria and southwest Scotland for ITV and I just walked away from my profession because Even five, six years ago, the possibility of somebody being transgender and reading the news was impossible. It just would not have happened. This was all pre-Caitlyn Jenner and, you know, it's still taboo now, really, but it was even more so then. So I left that career. I actually started a weird double life, which I 
carried on for five years where I was actually flip-flopping. I actually coined the term, you know, the, the, the term gender fluid. Genuinely, hand on heart, I invented gender fluid. So what I did for five years, I left my job in TV and I thought I just need to start again as the person I really am. So I went over to Newcastle, which was an hour away from Carlisle, where I was living, and uh, I faked my references. I got a job, a bog-standard, nine-to-five office job where I worked as female, Monday to Friday. And then on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, I came back to my family in Carlisle and conjured up this person that I was in the process of killing. And the reason that I was doing that, it all sounds very weird, I get that, was because I was terrified of losing my family, my friends, by coming out about who I was. And I came up with this idea that, well, maybe if I can be two people at once, it's going to be the answer. It keeps everybody happy. My family are happy because they're still seeing the old me. But equally, I've got the oxygen to live and I'll feel free again. So... I did that for five years. Nobody knew. And I was flip-flopping back and forth. Um, two, two wardrobes, two passports, two sets of friends, neither of which knew the other existed. And on it went until it got to the point where I thought, this is ludicrous. It's clearly very obvious where I'm most happy and who I'm happy as. And so I told everybody. And that's when I transitioned. The story hit the news. I got a job with Channel 5, became... Britain's, in fact, the world's first transgender news reader, um, the first transgender loose woman. I obviously did Celebrity Big Brother and um, and got back into the job that way. And for a time, I thought I'd conquered everything. I had no anxiety. The confidence, having come through all of that lifetime of not being who I was, and then I was finally free, it was just so liberating I felt indestructible, but the last year and a half, two years, have been really, really tough for lots of reasons. There's so much there, India, I want to touch on. Um, I want to start by asking you about being a journalist, because Mm. I'm a journalist, and the most important thing for me is to get my name out there. And, you know, you interview people, and you're hoping that a newspaper will pick it up and say, look, this person's been interviewed by Johnny Seifert. That makes me proud, it makes my parents proud. When you were a female trapped in a yeah. male body and your name is coming out there, were you like, hold on a minute, that's not me? And were you pushing and actually trying to do well in your job with your old name? Yes, and, and that, that was actually the trigger. That's a, a very astute observation. I can remember the actual point when I was starting to seize up and I thought, I can't go on living this lie anymore. And I was actually, I was reading the news. It was the six o'clock flagship regional ITV programme um, for Cumbria and South West Scotland called Look Around, ITV Border, where Mr and Mrs is made. And we were doing a political, I was doing a live political interview. I was in the studio and there was somebody down the line on a screen. And it was a very boring conversation, as a lot of these political interviews are, something about a railway line. And I just caught sight of myself in one of the monitors at the floor, which littered around the studio and newsreaders when the other person is talking you get the chance to look at a monitor maybe just check that your your tie is straight and you're looking okay and I looked at it and I thought I literally thought who is that person what is going on here and it it really hit home that in some ways I was in the worst job possible because 
every time I appeared on TV, I was being etched into the mind of the viewers as the person, you know, they were seeing. And it made me feel at the time that it, it was going to be impossible for me to just slip away quietly, <laughs> unnoticed, and be me, because th that would always follow me around, you know, like a ball and chain. So in some respects, although I loved the job and I've always loved communicating, whether you know it's newspapers, radio or TV, I, I adore, I'm so lucky to do this as a job. But it became the worst career in the world because of how I was at the time. When you were transitioning and you were a male and then you sometimes you'd act as a female, did you know who the real you was and how to make yourself happy? Because for you, mm. I presume, being happy is putting lipstick on or putting mascara on because I've never done that before. But when you were still in a male body, did you know how to create that happiness for yourself? Yeah, because I, I'd always been that way since from an early age people often say to me they say um you know how hard was it learning how to be a woman you know to do your makeup to dress all that sort of thing well actually the, the really hard bit was when I was a kid and I can remember struggling around the age of six or seven realizing that I had to be a boy and learn how to be a boy and watch the other kids and, you know, try and copy how they were behaving. And, you know, if boys were interested in this particular subject, then you know, try and pretend that you're interested because that's how you be, you got friends and you weren't identified or singled out. And when it came 40 years later, when I was on the point of giving up and seizing up, I found it really easy because I'd been acting for 40 years that was the that was the really tough bit. It was a performance for forty years, and as soon as I dropped that, everything else was easy. I mean, the superficial stuff that that isn't really what makes you happy. I mean, you know, wearing the clothes, doing the makeup, the hair, that isn't. People get sort of hung up on that a little bit and associate that with being transgender. But that's that just comes as part of the package, if you like. You know, the, the fact that women do wear makeup, women do wear dresses, you know, they start, they have, they tend generally, not always these days, you know, to have longer or more creative hairstyles. Um, and it's just part of the deal. It's it, That's not the reason why transgender people are trans, because they have a thing about clothes or makeup. Do you think there's times that people look at you and they're looking so up close to you that they're trying to find... A default in you that something's not gone right that there's a bit of the old you there absolutely johnny another great question actually i've never thought about that before but um but yeah i think you you do come under closer examination because it's still a curiosity um what do we do now especially for the lgbt community mm. who want more prevalence and want to be seen more in the news but to be seen more positive but there is that basically the idea that hold on a minute then you're just going to be doing lgbt stories the whole time so you're kind of losing the power that they actually have yeah i, th I think lgbt people not all but generally at the moment it's too much of a bubble i don't want to live in a ghetto i don't want to live on planet lgb i just want to live in the normal world 
And but then you get annoyed that you're not being getting the coverage. So it, it, again, it's uh, catch yeah, twenty two. Catch- what do you do? Do you give it the coverage and you go, well, hold on a minute. Now they're talking too much about it. Or do you go, well, actually, we should be making awareness of it. Like, where is that line? Yeah, well, well it, it's a balancing act. And the danger is that you can become very boring because people assume you have one topic. Just going back to my situation, you know, I generally only get booked to talk about transgender stories. And then when I go on social media afterwards, I get wound up because they say, oh, there's that bloody India Willoughby again ranting on about transgender. Well... You know, I'm a journalist. I get booked. I don't dictate what the stories are or the questions. And it's a paid job at the end of the and day. And it's a paid you. job. You know, that's that's what I'm asked to do. If they ask me about Lego or the size of biscuits or what my favourite crisps are, I'm quite happy to chew the cud over that. But it's always, you know, the, the, the interviewer or the news organisation that dictates what the story is. But I, th- I just think LGBT, some people live and breathe it. It's their reason for being here, you know, and, and great. You know, if if that makes you happy, then fine. Um, me personally, I don't like to do that. I've got other interests. While it's the thing that everyone's interested in about me, it's actually a tiny, tiny part, the, you know, the, the T factor. And you do feel sometimes on shows that if they could book your transness separate from you and just have the transness sitting in the chair that that's what they would do 100% agree with you 100% agree with you India I can't thank you enough you know it's a pleasure to be so honest and so frank about what is so personal to you I cannot commend you enough and that and that's the most important thing is yeah. to get people talking but not to over talk there's a difference between talking and trying to wear it as a badge of honour and you've never exactly. worn it as a badge of honour well, well thank you yeah uh, <laughs> brilliant thank you Johnny That was India Willoughby. What an amazing person. And, and to come forward and admit that you've had problems being transgender and the way that the media reacts to you and that you're now seen as kind of the go-to token person, it must be really hard because on one hand, yes, you can make money. But on the other hand, why should it be that your insecurity is always coming to the forefront just so you can get a job and get a bit of pay? We need to change that. We need to change tokenism in the media. And we need to change the way that we view people in the media and put them on a pedestal. And look, I'm guilty of it. I go, right, I need someone from this minority group to talk about a story. Let's book them. But we don't ever consider how the person feels to get that phone call to know that they're only wanted because of something that they've gone through. And it's about who they are, not what they are. Talking about who they are and what they are, I'm delighted to welcome my next guest to Secure the Insecure. He is an absolute legend. I loved him when he met me at the crossroads. I loved it when he flipped reversed it. And I loved it when he went into Love Island. It's the doctor himself, the guy who gave me the guidebook to love. It's Dr. Marcel <laughs> from Love Island. What's going on, Teddy? How you doing, bro? I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm not too bad, mate. Not too bad. So we decided we're going to talk about the fear of rejection on yeah. this podcast. And I think uh, you've got two parts to you, obviously. You've got the squad and you've got the Love Island side. Yeah. So let's start with the squad. How old were you when you went into Blazing Squad? So the Blazing Squad, we was... We got Simon was 15 years old, so we was very, very young. And obviously, being um, being in a band that's like there's 10 boys, like they're all from different kind of like backgrounds, all from different like um, nationalities and all that kind of stuff. You're basically thrust into like 
the limelight. So you've got like loads of screaming girls. Everyone had their individual fan base and that kind of stuff. And I think at the time when um, you'd go to certain areas, you'd have more fans in that area based on like where you're, where you're kind of from in a way. Do you know what I mean? So like in London, Birmingham, Manchester, I used to get like a lot of love. But then you go to places like Stoke and that kind of stuff. The reception I'd get compared to the other boys would be slightly different. I'm not necessarily saying it was like a racial thing or anything like that, but you would actually notice when you was getting more love and more and less love the fans they're so full on with, with how much they kind of like throw it at you being 15 years old you were a child because even yeah. when you're 20 years old you're still a child because you are molded into this industry where you're being pushed and pulled and you're told where to be where to go what to say how did it feel to have your own individual identity in a pool of 10 people it was very hard to kind of like get your individual personality across because obviously there's 10 of you and, and the people in charge would obviously have the ones that they'd push more because they're the ones that the fans reacted to more in it. So like, obviously like Ken's, Strider get the most attention. So they'd be the ones who are kind of pushed forward a bit more than everyone else because there's 10 of you. Like they need to have like a kind of like a focal point. We, we all went to school together. We was all individuals in ourselves, but within the band, we kind of like knew we was all individuals. But I think as a group, I don't know. Like I wouldn't really say it was it, it was down to the race, but I think maybe it played a little part because you could kind of sense you go to an area and like me and Melo wouldn't get as much attention as everyone else would get. But I think it was just a time, I think this is like 18 years ago, it was a time when we, when we was out because now the difference in society now is so much different to how it was. You've even got to look at the current popular music now. There wasn't really as many black artists performing and doing so well in, in the UK as there's musicians all over the gap. And not only Americans, you've kind of got like the UK, so you've got like Getz, you've got Gigs, you've got Notes, you've got Young Bane, you've got all of these people and, and their music's touching it and they're getting a big audience themselves. I think the difference in the times, I think we released our first single in 2002 or 2003, between that time and like 2019 now, that's like a decade and so the UK's kind of like grown and it's more accepting of all different kinds of nations and nationalities. So trying to find an identity, you didn't really get a chance. So before I obviously done Love Island, I think no one really knew who I was. Even though even though I'd been famous, I'd been in a band, I'd had a number one and all that kind of stuff. No one really knew who I was. Going into Love Island, it kind of like gave me a chance to kind of show, this is Marcel, like this is the guy from the Blazing Squad that, yeah, you remember my face from the Blazing Squad, but you don't remember me. 11 years later, you go and do Love Island. Now, did you apply for Love Island or did they nah. come to you? So basically, um, like the band kind of like split up and we weren't really doing shows, we weren't really doing anything like that. And then like we got approached by, by Matt at local, at, at local Talent to say to, to kind of ask like, do you want to do some shows? Because like I can definitely get some shows. And it was like, me and Oli were like, yeah, come on, we might as well. So we kind of pulled a couple of the boys together. Because just we, for a bit of context, Matt, I know Matt and Matt, brings back bands so S-Cup yeah. 3 for example he looks Matt, after so those old school bands coming Matt out together nostalgia brings, brings back the, the, the nostalgia vibe so anyone who was it was popular back in the day and, and, and had a following he kind of like does his thing to make some money yeah you know what I mean exactly exactly. <laughs> so, so he knows what he's doing he's good at his job so he kind of like he, he kind of like brought us into the fold and we was kind of working with him doing shows and that kind of thing and then I think the first season of Love Island he kind of messaged all of us and was like oh, do any of you want to like go on Love Island and like I'll do it but I've got a girlfriend in it so I can't really do it at the time so I said no the first year then the second year they came back and asked me to go in as a bombshell I do the show but I'm kind of I'm a little bit apprehensive because I've been watching the show in the lead up to all of this and there's not really many black people on the show and don't think there was many girls on the show at the time who were my kind of girls and that kind of stuff you know what I mean so um, going in as a bombshell they send you in to basically steal someone's girlfriend and, and I don't want to be the black guy going in there to try and steal to try and steal someone's girlfriend because like it's not really my character like I'm more like a chilled get to know ya 
like when I, like 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 I don't want to be forced into a situation when when I'm trying to be like underhanded and trying to talk to other guys' girlfriends and all that kind of stuff because it's not really me. So taking a year forward when they've when they've asked me back to do the show, they put me in from the start, first boy on the show, and my thoughts, all the things that I was paranoid about. I'm a dark skin like the quite tall, quite big black, black guy. And like going into the show, maybe I can look a bit intimidating or whatever it is. Going onto the show and, and from the previous year thinking, yeah, they might have they might have changed up a bit. Yes, yeah, so a bit more variance in the in the kind of people that I run the show. First boy down there, walk down the steps, total rejection. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's like all of your insecurities and all of your thoughts that you're that, 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 that running through your head. Just say no one steps forward to me. Just say no one likes me, blah, 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 blah. It all came to like fruition. And I was like, what do you do in this situation? Because you're on TV. You're, everyone's seen it now. How do you deal with this situation? I think, I dealt with it quite well but the first week I was kind of like this is just ridiculous what have I done to myself why, like, why have I chose to do this you see me thinking you knew this was going to happen while she was thinking about it and you knew it was going to happen but then at the same time on the outside I'm really confident I don't have any problem chatting to girls this that the other and I'm thinking what is going on like I, like, I couldn't really understand it but sometimes your insecurities do actually play their part in, in situations I must have got past the first week and I was like yo I've got past the first week and I think because because of my character, because of my actual personality and my character, everyone in that first week, like all the all the fans from the outside and all the the the, the cast and all of the, the the producer and everything at the show, they obviously must have like fell in love with my kind of character because I know for a fact they just they wanted me to they wanted me to to, to kind of survive because of the kind of personality and and the, and the, and, the, and the kind of aura that I brought to but also the running on. theme that um, did you know I was in a little band yeah, do you know what I mean? like so, they wanted that as a little yeah. storyline that was literally like the, I think it must have been the first first week or first two weeks of the show like whenever anyone knew were coming they'd be like Mask, you just say the line to the um, to, to this person and I kind of knew that it was gonna it, that it was turning into that it, it, it was turning into a, like a catchphrase kind of thing but so the producers actually asked you specifically yeah. to say can you say yeah. I'm from Blazing yeah. Squad the first two days I spoke to Jess and I spoke to Olivia and like we had our conversation they were like Marcus, like, like, like prior to it they'd be like could you just drop in a line that you're that you're from the Blazing Squad blah 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 I realised it was they were making a catchphrase out of it because obviously like the year before it they had the girl who was Miss Great Britain and they made and they made Zara her Holland. one yeah, yeah Zara they made them they made her one I kind of knew it was happening so I just I just kind of went along with it because I was thinking like it's TV like they know what they're doing in it and just... also I want to get the screen time and, and the thing about it is in regards to the screen time there was a lot of people on the show who were kind of like battling for the screen time like we watched the first week back there was a lot of people like that were kind of like playing up to characters with how I kind of handled the situation it, it got very clicky at the start of it and like there was like obviously like the the Cam and Ambers yeah. Chris and Olivia to yeah. their little gang they was in a gang and then there was like me Camilla um, Chloe yeah Johnny Johnny Mitchell was in our gang so 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 it was basically the people that were that kind of got brought onto the show because they they had like something different about them they weren't really just like Posey or anything like that they were like Camilla obviously like she like detached bombs or whatever it was just, like, like she used to do like crazy crazy stuff on the outside I obviously came from the band and, and kind of had that kind of history like um, everyone kind of had 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 like something different and we kind of like it kind of it, it it wasn't like like there was two groups but we were just like a group of people that were just like there to just like kind of enjoy the vibe then there was the people that kind of wanted to like kind of like shine a little bit more than everyone so they'd be like doing things to kind of like get the kind of like cameras and attention that and, and that kind of thing being in there like i think it was it was definitely kind of like a situation where having like like, like i think everyone that, that they put into the show had a, had their own personality and i think the insecurities that i kind of had about being like older than everyone or being like being black or anything like that i think they all kind of like pushed to the side as soon as the first week was passed everyone like ev ev everyone was like oh Marcel's actually like the nicest guy in the whole place like like he's actually like a proper I think people obviously perceive things before 
they actually get to know anyone. So you know what I mean? It's like judging a book by its cover. So everyone probably thought like I was going to be like a rude boy or I was going to be like rude or by stereotypes that they've been previously given or whatever it is. But as they got to know me, they realised... I'm actually like a really cool dude and I'm just like bare chilled out and just like relaxed and I'll help anyone out. Like, like I'm just that kind of person. So just from like a social show's point of view, I think it's kind of like a situation where you give yourself insecurities because you think about what other people are going to be thinking or what other people are going to be perceiving you to be. And then by doing that to yourself, you kind of like, you can either shut yourself off and, and, and go into a show or you can like try and prove people wrong. And I think with me, I always try to prove people wrong when they judge me when they don't really know me. What I want to touch on is the aftercare effect because you've spoken about the aftercare when it comes to money mm. and that is really important and ITV have already said we're getting accountants this year so you know exactly how yeah. to do your money what else needs to be done for aftercare because I had the on last week's podcast I was talking the Insecure episode 6 which you can listen to right now these uh, Collins twins from Shipwreck said their aftercare was also really bad because they didn't have a psychologist to go to when they were going through their father being mm. really ill. So how did you find the aftercare and what do you think needs to happen this year? Because everyone's going to be watching yeah. this year to find out what it's yeah. like afterwards. No, because basically I think um, with, with with the aftercare, you obviously come off the show. So 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 the day that the show finishes, kind of come off the show and you have a, and you have a sit down with the, the Villa Shrink. You sit down and have a conversation with them. Like it's like 15, 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes. And then you're good to go party. You're good to go do what you're going to do. You get back to London. You're doing the reunion show. You have another chat with the, um, with the ITV shrink so you have like oh, there's a Love Island psychologist and then there's an ITV psychologist you have a conversation with both of them when you kind of get thrust into it because it's such a whirlwind every moment you're living after the show you you feel like this is this is like it's, it's all positive and then for that first year I was literally just I was just sailing through life and everything was going good everything was going thing me and my ex went through like a situation like it was a bad situation but then from that point you kind of like start thinking yourself, this is this is crazy. Like, like 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 what do I do in this situation? Because it's crazy to try and deal with having your normal life. Because at the same time, when 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 I was when 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 the the massive story came out and all that kind of stuff, my nan passed away literally the week after that. So my nan passed away. I was dealing with the I, 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 I was dealing with with, with with all the press and all that kind of stuff. And then my like, like, like my watch got stolen. And and and, and you're literally thinking. Everything is on top of me right now. I don't really know how how to deal with this stuff. Luckily, like my like like, like my, my my friends and all that was just they was all there for me. They was like motivating me to kind of like just kind of like work through things. At that time there, I didn't think like I would be able to go and talk to someone from 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 the show because they was the the new show was about to happen. I was thinking, oh, like my year's done. The new show's about to start happening. Like, are they even going to be, be be bothered because? You, you kind of think that they'd be that they'd be kind of like looking and seeing what everyone's doing and seeing what everyone's going through at at, at the different stages, and kind of like reaching out to them to say like if you ever need to talk about anything, we're here. We like 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 like, like we can help you. We can we can we can help you with the press and that, that that and that kind of thing. But you don't really get that. So I think for me it was more. I think the show and 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 the, and, and and the production. I think maybe they could definitely look at how everyone off the show is how how they're doing afterwards rather than expecting a person who's going through whatever they're going through to be like oh i'm gonna call itv now and and and, and see if they can help me i think they should be more kind of proactive in helping people that are going through certain situations because like, like i don't I, I don't really want to talk too much about mike because like i don't like how he's passed and 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 and, and he's gone through whatever he, whatever he's gone through and he and he's and he's and 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 what's happened's happened in it, but I think I know that that there were that there were certain things that 
were happening in Mike's life that possibly people might have been able to pick up on from areas around the industry, but nothing nothing was kind of that, like like done from that side. But it's just yeah, like I think I think I think they could definitely be more to to, to kind of reach out and, and and kind of help the kids go going through because like you got to think like there's there's like twenty twenty year olds twenty one year olds hundreds of thousands of pounds trying to manage like when your tax bill comes if you haven't been putting, putting your money aside you're going to get you're, you're going to get stung with a tax bill and you and, and and you might start panicking about that kind of stuff do you know what i mean it's like there's there's loads of little little things that kind of like add to the pressure and, and dealing with your normal life dealing with all the normal stresses that, that any human would go through as well as dealing with the industry stresses and the press and all that kind of stuff it can be a lot so i think I think there should definitely be like a, a few more avenues of help for all of the new contestants. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, myself, for talking to me, Johnny C, for at Secure the Insecure. And that's it for another episode. Master, what an amazing guy. You know, he's always going to give out that amazing life advice. I'm so glad that I've got him as a friend because I always need that advice. I'm glad that I can always turn to him. And obviously, India will be as well earlier on in the podcast. Thank you to her as well. Next week, we've got Jack Devlin from X on the Beach talking about going backwards and forwards as a reality star. And if you've liked what you've heard on the podcast, please give it a five-star rating. Please leave a nice comment and help share the podcast. I can't make this, this podcast successful without your help. It's okay to not be okay. And that's all I want to say. Until next time, I've been Johnny Seafoot. Thank you and goodbye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.